morning. Welcome everyone. Please sit down. The early service and it's all spot over the city and that's all sunny and nice and beautiful day to worship the Lord. Such a blessing to have everybody with us here today. If you're if you're new with us. I just want you to know that you're welcome. We're so glad to have you. We're so thankful that God brings new people to us, and we want to get to know you, want to get to know your name, uh, want to be part of your life if you need that from us. Uh, our numbers, the pastor's numbers are on the back of the bulletin here, so if you have something through the week that we can be of help, just reach out to us, and we'll do our best to minister to you or love you or come pray with you or walk with you in any way we can. But it's our, heart, our heart's desire to know that... Uh, we, we want to be a part of your life. So um, I want to praise uh, something. Today we have the, the team from India who is Pastor Jason, who used to be the associate pastor here, and his daughter Ellie, and two people from his church, as well as our own Nick and Michelle Belleville. They're getting on a plane pretty soon here to come back from India. That's a huge praise. We, uh, we sent out some emergency prayer requests for them this week because they were they were kind of up against some persecution. The, the police there aren't too favorable to evangelism uh, in India, and uh, they were, they were kind of facing some opposition, and it could have, gone, could have gone really poorly. And we know as the church that God has promised us that we're going to have persecution if we share Christ. And so it's, it's hard to come pray and, and pray and ask for them to have faith and pray for them to be able to stand in that persecution, pray for God to be glorified in that somehow. But we, we really don't want to see that and um, even though we know that it's it, it could happen will happen it didn't happen and we're just thankful for that that God stayed the hand of that and, and is bringing them back to us and what a part that we get to play as the church in these ministries don't discount that that we stood in intercessory prayer for our brothers and sisters there and God moved so let's just praise him in our hearts today and praise him as we worship today about that um, we have some uh, needs, just a few things that I want you guys to think about. We, we have some needs in the nursery. We need some more nursery workers. We've got a, a lot of amazing, beautiful babies and young kids, but we need some help in nursery. It'd be great to get more people on rotation so that just, you know, one or two people don't have to do that every Sunday. You could just do it one Sunday a month or one Sunday a quarter. So just uh, pray about being part of the nursery. Um, we also need some more uh, leaders and workers in Awana. That's our Wednesday night program where uh, about 100 kids come and uh, learn the Bible and learn, learn to what it means to walk with the Lord, and we just need to be a part of that. It's uh, kind of in conflict with our Wednesday night Bible studies. You know, we're trying to get you guys to sign up for Bible studies and trying to get people to be involved in all of the Bible studies we offer on Wednesday nights. All the while, we need uh, workers in Awana. So that's kind of on you. You need to pray in your, and find out if God wants you to be fed or if God wants you to go feed. So I hope that you'll do that because there's a need here. And then uh, another need that we have is the Good News Club in Evansville, Peggy Hyatt. Uh, she comes to the early service, but uh, she, she leads that club in Evansville Elementary School from 3.30 to 5 on Tuesdays, and she just needs a couple more workers. So if that's something that you could do from 3.30 to 5 on a Tuesday, come and help uh, Peggy Hyatt in Evansville, that'd be great. That's, a, that's an amazing ability we have that, that God has opened a door for us to go into the public schools and share Christ with these kids. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that we get to do ministry. It's a big deal that we get to worship the Lord in those ways. So as we uh, stand up on our feet and get ready to worship this morning, just hope that you'll prepare your hearts to uh, take the Lord's Supper. 
It's something that we get to do. It's a great act of worship, and we need to begin now to prepare our hearts as we hear the word and let it convict us and let it speak to us. Let's do that. God, thank you so much for being our God. Thank you for bringing us here, for working our life, for drawing us out of the places we came to, Father. And I pray that that we'd be willing to hear you this morning, that we'd be willing to obey your voice, that we'd be willing to worship you, and that we'd be willing to, to take this cup, Lord, and take this bread and realize that you died for us, and that matters more than anything. And because of it, we owe you our lives. So let us give that to you today. Amen. together in tenderness he sought me weary and sick with sin and on his shoulders brought me back to his fold again while angels in his presence sang until the courts of heaven ring the love that's on me let me stop let me stop it I did that the first service too what did I do Pastor Mike did I find the third melody above or something it's all on me isn't it (laughs) thanks Connor let's start this again that melody up, Brenda. Thank you. Let's try that. Weary and sick with sin. That's better. And on his shoulders brought me back to his fold again. While angels in his presence sang until the courts of heaven rang oh the love that's on me oh the blood that bought me oh the grace that brought me to the fold of God grace that brought me to the fold of God. He died for me while I was saved, and poor and blind. He whispered to us, 
this morning.
new song we did last week. Just jump in with us as you can. Were creation suddenly articulate With the thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing his imminence His name would burst from sea and sky From rivers to the mountain tops we'd hear Christ be magnified and oh Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me and oh Christ be magnified from the altar of my Finds its inmost melody. Every human heart its native cry. Then in one enraptured hymn of praise, we'll sing Christ be magnified. And oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me, and oh, Christ be magnified, the altar of my life, Christ be magnified. stand strong and worship you if it puts me in the fire i'll rejoice because you're there too i won't be formed by feelings i hold fast to what is true if the cross brings transformation then i'll be crucified with you because death is just the doorway into resurrection life if I join you in your sufferings, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory, with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. And oh, Christ be magnified. Let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me, and oh, Christ be magnified in the 
Good worship song. Well, it's time to pray again. Good morning to everybody. Uh, today we want to lift up our team that's coming back from India. They should be getting on the plane in the next couple hours. And uh, had 30 hours back to uh, Wyoming. So let's pray for them. It's really quite stressful to travel like that. And uh, we're thankful that God used them in a powerful way. I uh, had some good reports of ministry over there. And I'd like to share, uh, I, I'm in touch with our Mexican pastors. Uh, we do trips down there still, and we, we know uh, uh, quite a few pastors down there. One that we worked with uh, many years ago, um, starting a new church, and he reported uh, that this last Sunday they had 27. Uh, they, it's a home church and brand new. And, you know, he had no idea how God was going to work. And, but he was really just praising God that the church is coming together even right from the beginning. So they've only met like three weeks and they have 27. So... And that's in the city of Pachuca. Uh, so let's pray for Luis Diaz and his family and pray for our team that's coming back. Let's pray. Father, as we focus on missions, Lord, we just want to lift up our missionaries, our pastors, our friends around the world that are sharing Christ as well. Lord, do that same work here in Casper. Help us to be all about missions serving you and uh, sharing the love of Jesus with people. Father, we live in a wicked world, yet you died to save sinners. Thank you for the new church that's coming together for, with Luis down in uh, Pachuca Hidalgo, Mexico. Just bless them even as they meet this morning. And also, I pray for our team that's coming back. Lord, give them strength for their journey. Encourage their hearts and bless them. Bring them back to us safely. We love you and thank you for our church, Lord. So we take the offering this morning. Maybe that may that be an act of worship as well. And I pray for Pastor Mike as he brings the message that your word would go forth with power. We love you, Lord. Thank you for today and for bringing us together. In Jesus' name, Amen. If some come forward.
just your crumbs is all we need how can we not be satisfied with the loving gifts from your hand so Lord remove all idols from our hearts all the things that we think will satisfy help us to seek only you sing again well of water ever springing bread of life so rich and free is for us unto wealth and never failing my redeemer is to me hallelujah he has found me what my soul so
me read this for you from last week. Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. And large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Read this for in Spanish. Pasó Jesús de allí, y vino junto al mar de Galilea, y subiendo al monte se sentó allí, y se le acercó mucha gente que traía consigo a cojos, ciegos, mudos, mancos, y otros muchos enfermos, y los pusieron a los pies de Jesús, y los sanó. De manera que la multitud se maravillaba, viendo a los mudos hablar, a los mancos sanados, a los cojos andar, y a los ciegos ver, y glorificaban al Dios de Israel. Let's give glorification to the God of Israel this morning.
Kids, time for Super Church, third grade and under. Good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. What a great song. To say that Jesus is something greater is an understatement, right? There's nothing that compares to him. There's nothing that we could even imagine that would compare to him. And so it's, it's incredible to think about him. And man, I love that kind of song. I love that encouragement that comes with that. But, man, is it difficult is it difficult to grasp the fact that Jesus is greater and because he's greater, we can trust him? And I, I know the answer to that, right? It is. I, I mean, when we really talk about a relationship with God, um, you know, we have to begin to kind of break some things down. I mean, we have to know truth for one thing. We have to know truth about who God is. We have to know truth about what God has done. We have to know truth about what God is going to do. But we have to know some truth about ourselves as well. And, and the hard part about a relationship with God is that it takes faith. Something that we talk a lot about, something that the Bible talks a lot about, 
And yet something that, men we struggle with probably to the nth degree, trusting God, believing in Jesus, believing in who he is, believing in what he says, believing in what he can do, believing in what he wants to do. I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's easy, and I've said this a lot, it's easy to come and sing songs like this. They're, they're great songs. We should be encouraged by these songs, but if we're not actually living our lives outside in this world like Christ is greater than we are, then let's just be honest, our relationship with God is, is really hurting. I mean, some of us are here this morning, we've never trusted Christ. We really don't trust God. We have a lot of reasons why we don't. Uh, maybe we want to, but maybe we just aren't willing to. I don't know what it is, but until you come to believe in Jesus Christ by faith, then there's no relationship with God. There's just no relationship with him. It requires faith. But many of us even that claim Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, as we're going to talk about this morning, man, we, we struggle when life gets difficult. And, you know, we don't, we don't ever struggle when life is good. But, man, if anything happens that's less than perfect, if anything happens that challenges our ability to change something, or if there's any pain or any loss or any fear... Uh, man, we, we typically leave whatever faith we had behind and begin asking, where's God at? Where's God at? Well, just so you know, he's always in the same place. He never changes. And he never leaves us or forsakes those of us who know him. And man, I encourage you to begin to pray, Lord, give me faith as I walk with you through this world. Matthew chapter 16, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Matthew 16, 1 through 12, and we're going to talk about it takes faith to understand Jesus. The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when, is it, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, he said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up, or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? And then understood that he did not say be, to, to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's good to be here today. It's so good. It's just amazing, Lord God, to be able to come and to sing, to be able to come and to give, to be able to come and to pray for us and for others. It's amazing to know, Lord God, that, that throughout this day, Men and women and boys and girls have been gathering to worship in your name. 
since the start of the day at the, at the beginning, Lord. Every nation, every tongue, every tribe. Lord, there are people worshiping throughout this earth. It's amazing to think about our missionaries who are on their way home soon, Lord, that they've been serving in such a great nation as India, a, a nation, Lord God, that's so in need of the gospel and thankful for the pastors in India and for our missionaries that have served and pray that you would continue to win people, Lord God, move people toward Christ. It's amazing, Lord God, that we can gather in Casper, Wyoming, just in the name of Jesus, as a body of Christ here, united through Christ and, and gather to hear your word and to open our hearts to you. And, and I just pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts literally to what you have to say to each one of us. There are some that need to be saved this morning. I pray you draw them, save them today. Many of us, Lord God, we need to surrender more of ourselves to you, to believe more about you, to walk through this world knowing that you are greater, far, far, far greater than we can trust you. So Lord, do a work in us this morning, I pray. And I give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we... We come to this interesting place. I mean, things are kind of heating up for Jesus, if you will. He's not really that far, as we'll see here in a few weeks, of, of making the move toward Jerusalem, which means like he's going to die. So things are really intensifying, and we kind of see that as we begin this passage. It says the Pharisees and Sadducees came up, and testing him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And it's, it's an interesting little passage because of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, before we've read about the Pharisees being with the scribes, uh, those guys were more in line with one another. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they made up the ruling body of Israel, of the Sanhedrin, but the Pharisees and Sadducees did not really get along, and they didn't really like each other. They didn't agree theoretically. They didn't agree theologically. They didn't agree politically. The Sadducees were wealthy. The Pharisees were more common, but the Pharisees are more rigid in their, their following of God in their views. The Sadducees were far less rigid. And matter of fact, it, it's illustrated more in Acts 23, verses 6, six through 8. So let me read this. It says, but perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Now, I didn't read further in there, but if you'd read through there, the, 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 the dissension got so great that the Roman soldiers watching thought these guys were going to grab Paul and tear him apart, and so they removed Paul from the, from the fray. In other words, I mean, these guys were pretty opposed to each other, even though they were part of the same ruling body. So when you read that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come together, you kind of get an understanding of just how frustrated they were with Jesus and just how opposed they were to Christ. I mean, here's Jesus. He's making no bones about it. He's saying, I am God. Son of God, son of David, son of man, messianic terms, saying that he is sent from God for the purpose of saving, 
right? People from their sins. He's made no, no questions about that. He's been very clear about that. And these guys in their positions and these guys in their opposition to God are highly opposed to Christ and want nothing more than to discredit him and to stop him from speaking truth. So this isn't casual. They've set aside their differences. They've come to Jesus and they're testing him. And, and it's interesting to me, it says they tested him by, by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, understand that perhaps, I mean, if you didn't have this passage, perhaps you could say, these guys saw themselves as the defenders of truth, if you will. Uh, but that's not what Jesus says about these guys, right? So when you see them asking for a sign, they're not legitimately asking God to show them the truth about Jesus. What they're really asking is for Jesus to fail. They're saying, show us a sign like God showed in the Old Testament. Show us a sign like Moses had when he spoke, when God spoke to him through the burning bush or when he did the 10 miracles that would drive the Israelites out of Egypt and set them free or show us a sign like God parting the Red Sea or show us a sign like God stopping the, the Jordan River as Joshua led the people across into the promised land or when God took down the walls of Jericho or when Elijah called down fire. Or, I mean, we could go on and on, right, of signs that they say from heaven would prove that you are who you say you are. But they really, they really don't want Jesus to do that because if they really wanted a sign, they would have already seen it. Now, let me read a little further before we talk about that. In verse 2, it says, But he replied to them, When it's evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Then he asked them these, this, this great question, Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? It's a very searching question. I mean, I've said it hundreds of times before. I, I love to read Jesus's questions. You should, whenever Jesus asks a question, man, you should just stop because he's searching them, right? They come to test him. And what you always find with Jesus is he begins to search them to see where they really are so that they'll know where they really are. Then he says, do you know how to discern basically the weather, Right, you guys can tell when it looks like it's going to be a fair evening. You guys can tell when it's threatening and it's going to be, it's going to be stormy. And, and you and I kind of understand that stuff, right? Growing up in Illinois where there was lots of tornadoes, man, I always knew that when the sky was turning green, things were bad. I mean, the sky can be dark, it can be black, it can be all, but when the sky would turn a eerie kind of green color, you better be finding some shelter. It may not be a tornado, but it certainly could be. It's a kind of an eerie thing, but you just kind of learn those things in that situation. But Jesus says, you guys have enough wisdom to discern the weather pattern, if you will, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And what he's saying is, man, you're looking at things through the flesh and through what you know and through what you understand, but you don't have enough spiritual insight to recognize that I, God in the flesh, am standing right in front of you. 
You don't have the ability to know that I am the Savior sent from God through those Old Testament prophets that told about me coming. I'm the one standing in front of you. You don't even have enough sense to know that. And the reason why, right, it's going to be clear. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. I mean, there are some times when Jesus is dealing with these rebellious people that he doesn't really cater to them at any length whatsoever. I mean, he, he basically says to them, right, your problem is that you are evil and adulterous. It's evil and adulterous people that look for a sign. Evil and rebellious people. An adulterous, an adulterer is one who leaves their love for another. Right? They cheat. They've lied. They have hidden motives. They're rebellious. They're evil. And it's, it's harsh to hear Jesus call somebody evil, but it's his words because here they are saying they want a sign when in reality they want nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want to have faith in Jesus. They don't want to believe in Jesus. They want to rebel And it's an evil and adulterous generation that refused to believe in Jesus. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with people that say, if God just did something, I'd believe in him. Well, that's that's comical to me. It's pretty comical to me to hear these guys say, if you just did something, then we'd believe Well, Isaiah read these verses from the passage we looked at last week, 29 through 31 of chapter 15. Every single sick person, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the deaf, the mute, demon-possessed, whatever you want to say, they brought him to Jesus and he healed them all and they were all there. The lame were walking, right? The crippled were upright. The blind were seeing. The mute were speaking. The deaf were hearing. And they were glorifying the God of Israel. Now, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Not only that, but then he fed not just the 4,000 men, but all the women and children with the seven loaves of bread that he broke and just kept passing them out with the fish. Pretty soon everybody had eaten and were satisfied. They didn't have a bite, they were satisfied. These guys, they weren't looking for a sign because they didn't want to believe. They wanted to discredit Christ. They wanted to stop Christ. They wanted to deny Christ. They were rebellious. I mean, so many people today, they, they say these things, you know, if God would just do something, then I would believe. Well, Jesus said the only sign that's going to be given is the sign of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the big fish for three days, and then he spit him out on the beach. Well, Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to be in the grave for three days and I'm going to rise again. That's going to be the sign that proves that I'm the Messiah, that I'm the Savior. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says, and it was declared with power that he is the Son of God through the power of the resurrection. And I kind of hammered that, messed that up a little bit, but that's, that's the gist of it, right? We know that he's the Savior because he rose from the dead. I mean, what more signs do you want? I love it when somebody tells me, hey, if God just did something, I'd believe in him. I'm like, well, that's easy. He did. Jesus died and rose again. 
Now, do you believe? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we're never going to come to Jesus unless we come by faith. But so many of us, we don't want to trust God by faith. We just don't want to. What we want is a God who deals with our flesh. We want a God who takes care of all of our earthly problems. We want a God who fixes our relationship problems. We want a God who provides all the money that we need. We want a God who provides all the food that we need. When we're sick, we want him to heal us. Man, we don't want to lose a loved one. We don't want to trust God when we lose a loved one. We don't want to trust God in the spiritual side of life because we want to live in the flesh We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and as much as we want it, and we want it right now. And when God doesn't do what we want him to do, all we can say most of the time is, where are you, God, and why'd you let me down? Right? Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Listen, We don't have to have any more signs. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to give his life a ransom for many, right, that we might be bought out of sin. What he wants in this world is to be our savior, but we have to come to him with a spiritual understanding and then trust him with the physical life that we live. And man, that's difficult. But you know what's more difficult? It's more difficult to hear him say, and it's an evil and adulterous generation that all they want is a sign. That's more difficult, isn't it? And it takes faith to even understand what Christ came for. There's no doubt that God cares about our physical needs. He most assuredly does. But he cares about us trusting him, not just to save us from our sins, but to confess him as Lord and to worship him. Listen, that might be the hardest part about faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ means he's God, we are not. It means he is the answer, we are not. It means he is the great, glorious, strong, wise one, and we are not. Faith in Jesus means, yeah, we have to admit that we're sinners. We have to admit that we're lost. We have to admit, admit that we are condemned by God to eternal judgment apart from Jesus Christ. And that's tough sometimes. But the sweet thing is, is that he came. He came so we could believe. He came so we could live. Man, he gets done talking to these guys. He tells them nothing's gonna happen except the sign of Jonah. And then he leaves. And he doesn't give them any other alternative because there is no other alternative alternative. Well, the passage goes on and it kind of gets interesting. Verse five says the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. That's kind of critical as we'll see. 
And Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves saying, he said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus aware of this said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up or the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? It's just kind of crazy little situation. Jesus is obviously not done teaching these guys about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he tells them as they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee, once again, he says to them, guys, be aware, be aware of the fact that there's leaven among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <coughs> now, leaven is obviously something that spreads, right? Something you put into some flour and it spreads to all. And so he's talking about the influence of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Matter of fact, if you read verse 12, he's talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he basically says to them, I want you to be aware of these false teachers, of these false motives, of these evil adulterous men who desire to stop me, to deny me, to detract from what I'm doing, to keep me from being all that I am, that won't believe in me. You've got to stop paying attention to the things that say Jesus is not Savior, and you've got to pay attention to me. That's what he's telling them, right? It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual mindset. It's like false teachings and, and half-truths and things that deny the deity of Jesus Christ and deny him as Messiah. That's a, that's a spiritual thing. Jesus is saying to them, I want you to pay attention to the spiritual things taking place in your life that will keep you from having a relationship with me. That's all he's saying. And these guys, after hearing it, start talking among themselves and they're like, well, you know, he obviously said that because we didn't bring any bread with us. What? I mean, really, sometimes don't you read the Bible and go, what? How do they get to that? I mean, you know, I, I really do. I, I look at that and I, you know, as I'm preparing to teach, you know, I want to break these things down. I want to know what these verses mean. I want to know how they go together. I want to know why it was said and what the context was said, you know, so I can be able to actually come and share that with you. And, you know, if you stop right there, you go, these guys didn't have a clue. It's like talking to a teenager. What? Sorry, shouldn't have said that. Anyway, it's true. But anyway. <clears throat> and so I read this and I'm like, why would they even think that thought? How did they make that connection? But what's funny about it is that Jesus tells us why. In verse 8, Jesus, aware of what they're saying, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Now, that's an interesting statement because he tells them, the reason that you're struggling with what I did say in the first place is because you have little faith. But then he kind of has a conversation inside this other conversation. Like, he wants to talk to them about the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but now I got to stop and deal with you and your faith and in your relationship with me. So he says, you men of little faith, do you not understand and do you not remember? Those are, those are important things because 
these men should have understood who Jesus was. I mean, literally in chapter 14, he fed 5,000 people plus all their women and children. And in chapter 15, he fed 4,000 men and the women and children. And he did it with nothing. They didn't have enough bread. They didn't have enough fish. They didn't have anywhere near enough fish. They barely had enough bread and fish to feed one man, let alone 10,000, 8,000, whatever it was. I mean, he says to them, don't you understand? That's a critical question for you and I today. I mean, one of the things that we need to ask ourselves is, do we understand who Jesus is? Not just our version of Jesus, not just the Jesus that is limited by our faith. Do we understand who Jesus is? How do we understand who Jesus is? Well, we remember what Jesus has done. It's so critical to us. I mean, these guys should have understood. He says to them, don't you remember the 5,000 with the five loaves and all the baskets that you picked up? Don't you remember the 4,000 with the seven loaves and the seven large baskets that you picked? Don't you remember? Don't you know who I am? Don't you understand? See, the truth of the matter is, is that unless we come to Jesus by faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we are not going to be able to understand who he is. And when we don't understand who he is, then we live this life in this fleshly way. You know, the fleshly way. The fleshly way that says, I know how things work. I know that if I don't have bread with me and I'm Jesus the disciple, I'm not going to be able to feed the other disciples and the Lord. That's how this works. No bread, no food. Not true. I know that if something comes up in my life and I have some strange, you know, expense that's going to cost thousands of dollars, I'm not going to be able to pay for that because I know I only have so much money. Not true with Christ. I know that if the doctor says to me, you've got cancer, I know I have to despair of life and act like I'm not going to make it and just going to die or whatever. It's not true. You might die. But you might not, because Christ is a healer. I mean, when we lose a loved one, you know, people say, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. And, and the truth of the matter is you're not going to make it through unless you have Christ. When you have Christ, you have strength, you have comfort, you have hope, you have stability, you have all that you need. I mean, we act honestly very much every day as if we've got to control our lives and make things happen. It's the get or done mentality in Wyoming or whatever you want to call it. But it's not faith. That's not faith. Faith says that we can trust Jesus Christ. <coughs> he's calling these men to remember what he's done. You say you have no bread. Why do you care about that? Matter of fact, really what he's saying is, why are you so wrapped up in the flesh, in the things of the world, in the things that you think you need that you can't control anyway? Why not know who I am? I'm the Savior. I'm Lord God Almighty. 
If you have anything in your life, it's all from me in the first place. Why not acknowledge the fact that I've given it to you? Man, we're Americans. We're some of the wealthiest people in the world. I mean, we are filthy rich. And I'm not exaggerating. We have clean water. We can walk to a sink, turn on a faucet, fill up a cup, know we can drink, it's gonna be safe for us. We have hot water. We have heat in our houses. We have multiplied amounts of clothes. Anybody have more clothes than you, than you wear? I mean, you know, we're changing seasons now, so now we're looking for long sleeve shirts that fit. So Beth goes, I think there's a container above your, your part of the closet. Let's see what's in that. Well, it's a whole container of shirts that are too small for me. <sighs> Don't you love that? And I love to try on clothes too. So Beth's like, try on this shirt, try on that shirt, try on these pants. No. Why do I have all these clothes that don't fit? Stop eating. What ridiculous stuff, right? But we, we're so rich. And yet, how, how blind are we when we say, will God bless? Will God supply? Will God be sufficient? Can we trust the Lord? Quite honestly, if we can't trust him with these physical things, do you really think you trust him with your soul? Do you really think you trust him with your soul? If your life is full of anxiety and fear and worry Do we really have to worry? And the answer is no. There's no reason for fear. But the problem is, is we don't know him. So we worry about bread. We don't know him. So we worry about our health. We don't know him. So we worry about our children. Did you know you can trust your children to Jesus and he'll take care of them? Did you know that? Some of you are like, whatever. Whatever. All you with little children that think you're gonna control all your children, take a look around. There's adult children that used to be cute all around you. (laughs) And their parents aren't controlling them now and they haven't been in control of them for a long time. So get over it. You better give them to Jesus. I got a couple of them sitting in the sanctuary that praise God, we could trust him with them, right? Man, It's humbling to me when he says, you men of little faith, you men of little faith, you can't trust me with bread. You really claim to believe in who I am? Well, down at verse 11, he gets back to the original conversation. He says, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He asked this great question, why didn't you understand? And the answer is you didn't understand because you didn't come to me by faith. There's so many people that, man, they, they may at some level want God in their life, but they're not going to approach him by faith. And so they don't understand who he is. And they're never gonna understand who he is until they come by faith to him. And they lay their lives in front of him and they go, I do believe. I believe, Lord Jesus, you left heaven, took the form of a man, 
that you were obedient even to the point of death on a cross and that you rose again on the third day. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are not only just the savior of my soul, but you're the keeper of my person. I believe you began a good work in me and you'll be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe, I believe that I can trust you with my finances. I believe I can trust you with my marriage. I believe I can trust you with my children. I believe I can trust you, Lord, with the trials of my life. I can trust you. When you begin to believe and come to Christ by faith, you begin to see him as he is. You begin to understand that he loves you. You begin to understand that he gave himself for you. You begin to understand but until you come by faith, and there's no understanding him. He's too big. He's too glorious. He's too contrary to the world. He's not like anybody you know. He's not limited like you and I are. He doesn't have a problem changing our circumstances. He doesn't have a problem forgiving us of our sins. He doesn't have a problem of seeing us through whatever trial we have to go through. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry until we come by faith, we're not going to understand that. And we're always going to be worried about the flesh. And the Bible says to walk in the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh and the spirit are in opposition to one another. They're actually at enmity with one another. That you might not do the things that you wish. So many of us in here can't get past the flesh. What is it that you're struggling with today? I mean, really, what is it that you're struggling with today? What are you afraid of? What are you anxious about? What is it that you dread? Why not say, Lord, I believe you love me and you got me. And you can find rest for your soul in Christ Jesus. Would you pray would you pray with me that God would make us a people of faith? Would you pray with me that when we have problems, not just in our individual lives or in our families, but in our church, that we would believe that Christ will supply those needs? Pastor Rick and I had a pretty sweet little conversation, and we've been needing to do some work on our building. Our north end building has needed a roof for a long time, and we just haven't been able to really afford it or work out details on it. And so Rick came to me not too long ago and said, I think there's a way that we can have somebody come in and, and actually do the repairs for us, somebody that knows what they're doing in kind of a tricky place. And I said, well, what's it going to cost us? And he goes, I don't even know. We don't even know the price. We know what the materials cost told me what they were, but we don't know what the labor's going to cost yet. And, and I'm just going to be blunt with you. Like things of finances at College Heights haven't been that great. I mean, we're not dying, but haven't been that great. And so he and I prayed about it and I said, Rick, let's just do it. Let's just trust the Lord. Let's believe that God will supply the need because it's not a big need for him, right? It's just a roof. If you can't fix our roof, what can he do? And it's been pretty amazing because there's been some, some pretty major gifts toward that already. And I still don't know what it's going to cost. But I already know that God has is, is proven to be faithful even before it happens. Now, if that's really true, that you can walk by faith concerning a roof, isn't it just as true that you can walk by faith concerning 
heartache, concerning sickness, concerning death. And it's true, but you've got to come by faith. Men and women, hear me. You're not going to understand this great God until you say, I believe. What's crazy about this is verse 12, as we end, says, then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood. Why did they understand? Because Jesus took the time to show them their unbelief. He took the time to teach them that he's concerned about other things than what we are concerned about. I mean, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, I think it is, Jesus said, right, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What God wants us to do is to seek him in a relationship whereby we trust him no matter what we go through. But that's the hard part, isn't it? Isn't that the hard part? We've convinced ourselves that the savior of our life is us. But have you not recognized how untrue that really is? We are not the savior. We can't save our souls. We certainly can't save ourselves in this world. We need Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you consider not just this theory of faith alone, but the fact that Jesus Christ was a, a man that we know lived. Historically, it's true that he died on the cross and historically it's true that he rose again. You don't have to wonder if that's true. It's true. The sign of Jonah has been given. It's the one sign that he's going to give us that we might know him. He died, rose again. Hallelujah. But you've got to come and you've got to believe. You've got to confess him as Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and the Bible says you'll be saved. You can do that today. You can do that right where you are right now. Maybe you're a believer here this morning, but you should put maybe parentheses around believer because you ought to ask yourself, what do you believe? What do you believe? Is he something greater? If he's God, then he's enough for you. He's always enough for us got to believe. And man, maybe you have to say to God, like the man who brought his son, who was demon-possessed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. If you need to say that to the Lord, say that. Trust him. He's gracious and he's patient. Ask him to give you faith. But let's be a people praying that we would believe in Jesus Christ who died for our sins and rose again, who's everything we need. Let's be a people of faith. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, faith can be a difficult thing for us. Matter of fact, Lord, your word teaches us that no one can come to Jesus unless you, Father, draw him to Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you would draw those that have never trusted Jesus as their Savior to Christ today, 
and that you would give them the faith to believe that they might be saved, forgiven of their sins, that they might receive a relationship with you, eternal life, Lord God. And for us, Lord, that have been saved, often it is the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the leaven of this world, the leaven of our flesh, the leaven of the devil that spreads in our hearts and our minds and confuses us and detracts from Christ. And instead of understanding with faith, we, man, Lord, we get afraid and we get anxious because we have no faith. Forgive us, Lord. Don't let the lies that claim Christ isn't all we need keep us from experiencing the life and the joy and the peace that comes from trusting you. Do a great work in us this morning. And Lord, as we transition over to remember your death on the cross, enable us, Lord, to celebrate to be humble before you, to be thankful for truly what you've done for us that we might believe. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna have the guys come to distribute the, the juice and the bread. So you guys come on up. Let's get this going. And then we'll move into the Lord's Supper. Just go ahead and start, Rod. Let's let's get her going. Take them both at the same time, by the way. Take the bread, take everything. Okay, good. While we were uh, working through Matthew and getting ready for tonight or for this Lord's Supper, I was just thinking it's really been a theme about bread the last few chapters pretty amazing to think about Jesus and still marvel at the fact that he can just take some bread and break it and it just multiplies but when we look at Christ in the New Testament he never just wants us to see him as the provider of our food or finances he's so much more than that and so if you read the book of John after he fed the 5,000 the first time, the Bible says that the crowd came seeking him the next day. You know, they just came flooding after him after he'd fed them. And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him... The Father, God, has set his seal. Those have always been really piercing words to me. Do not work for the food that perishes. It's kind of what we do, right? We work, we get some money, we take care of ourselves, but all of that stuff perishes. Jesus says work for the food that does not perish, right? The food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. And then later in that same passage, Jesus said, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. 
And later he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. You know, I, I want us to think about that. The bread that we need, the bread that we desire, is not the bread that perishes. We need Christ Jesus, who, when we come to him, will be everything that we need. The reason we can do that is because he laid his life down on the cross for our sins. As these guys sing, sing with them, but pray, Lord God, am I, am I looking to you for my satisfaction? Am I looking to you for all my needs? Am I trusting you, Lord, to be the bread that gives life to those who come to him? So let's sing and let's pray. a great place to stop for that song. Here in the death of Christ I live. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, that, Lord, you have established a way for us to remember and think about your body that was broken for us. The body, Lord, that was beaten, the body that was crucified, the body that was pierced, all for 
the salvation of our souls. And I pray, Lord God, that as we take this small piece of bread, we will remember your depth of love and we'll remember all that we owe you and that we will worship you and live for you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The body of Christ. Corinthians eleven twenty five says, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, may we never forget the blood of the new covenant. May we never forget that through the shedding of your blood, You've established a covenant of salvation with those who believe, a covenant of life, a covenant, Lord, that enables us to pray to you, to know you, to walk with you, and to trust in you forever. I'm thankful, Lord, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are washed away and we are made white as snow Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Help us remember. In Jesus' name, amen. The blood of Christ. First Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What a gift it is to say, Jesus died. We just say, He died the salvation of our sins. Until he comes again, we say he died for us. He loves us. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. We love you, Lord. We are thankful. We proclaim your death and we look forward to your coming. Help us live for you by faith and Lord God, help us be a light in this community. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.